welcome to the Be Proud with Eric podcast, the place for all things queer empowerment. I'm your host, Eric Sullivan, he, him pronouns. I'm a proud gay person, licensed therapist, and DEI consultant. My mission is to empower members of the LGBTQ community and teach people to be better allies. I love connecting with people, and I'm so glad you're here. Let's do this. Welcome to part six of the Be Proud series, 10 Essentials for LGBTQ Plus Inclusion in the Workplace. Today, I'm going to be talking about one of my favorite topics, which is looking out for your staff. People that work for you are the backbone of your company, so it is super important to make sure that they are taken care of. From a psychological perspective, if people feel valued by who they work for, that contributes to motivation and morale. If you aren't making efforts to provide your staff with things that support them being safe and supported by your company, they are less likely to be invested in the work they are doing for you and they are less likely to stay there. Not feeling appreciated leads to things like burnout, resentment, underperforming, talking shit about the company to colleagues and people outside of the company, and ultimately leaving a job. Let's talk about the essential things you need at your company to make sure you are taking care of the people that work for you. This one is a three-parter, so I'm just going to go ahead and give you the spoiler on what those three are. One, you have to have a designated staff position that is responsible for overseeing the LGBTQ plus inclusion compliance at your organization. You also have to have staff training, annual LGBTQ plus inclusion training for all staff. And the third component is having an ERG or an employee resource group for the queer identified and allied staff at your organization. So for today, I'm going to be talking about the first two. I'm going to be talking about the staff position and the staff training. And on the next episode, I will get into the employee resource group. First off, let's start with staff training. So your staff training should be for new hires to your organization. And this should also be an annual training for all staff. It's a good idea to start with a sort of like a 101 type training or slash an introductory training just to give people foundational information about like who is the community and what does the terminology mean and you know things like that and then from there if you want to it's a good idea to also have additional training that is specific to the type of work that your company does for example mental health schools tech, entrepreneurship, you know, whatever those things are, it's a nice idea to have elevated training specific to the type of work that you do and the type of work that your staff does for the company. You can also ask your staff what they want to learn more about. That's like one of those staple questions on the feedback forms. It's like, and what other topics do you want this company to train you on? So for that, let it be specific. What other LGBTQ plus related topics would you like to learn more about? 
I have been doing trainings for professionals on how to support the queer community for over a decade now, and I love it. And during the pandemic, I pivoted my training to being virtual offerings because, shocker, that's all that was available, and people started asking me for it. And so then, you know, through doing that, I just sort of realized, oh, wow, this is a really cool way to be able to get this information to a lot more people. I don't need to do them live and in person. They can still get all the information. And we all are pros at doing this now. Zoom calls and webinars and things like that. So I have pivoted my training and I now offer them as self-guided webinars as well as live video training. Now let's get into the second of these three ways to support your staff, which is having a dedicated staff position to oversee the queer inclusion at your organization. This can be someone within the company, someone who already works there. Depending on the company size and the nature of the work that you do, it very well might be its own position, or it might be sort of supplemental to somebody else's full-time position that they do within the company. I know here in Charleston, we recently had one of the big healthcare organizations, which is MUSC, create a position here as someone who is now the director of LGBTQ plus health. That's pretty amazing. That's pretty next level. Like when I saw that announcement, I was like, Yes, thank you. Like that is so needed because there are so many aspects of healthcare specific to the queer community that don't get recognized. So how amazing that not only is this organization recognizing it, they created a full-time director position for it, not just a DEI director position, which that's awesome too when companies are doing that, but to specifically then go another step and have a director of LGBTQ plus health is pretty baller. And bonus, a friend and colleague of mine that I highly respect is the person that got this position. So I know they are doing amazing work and probably down the road, I will have them on here to talk about that. So designating this queer inclusion as its own job title, this is how I came to become this person at a company that I used to work for. I started there as their LGBTQ therapist. While I was there, this company went through an outside certification process to be stamped, boom, we are LGBTQ plus inclusive. And so I got to be the point person for the company and doing all of those things they needed to get that certification, which is where I got the idea, hey, I can do this on my own. And now here I am doing it. But anyway, so going back to it. So while I was there, this went from a part-time position for me to a full-time position because I had a lot more responsibilities being put on to me. And so I advocated for more money. You know, I was like, this is awesome. I'm happy to do it. I love being a part of this. And y'all are asking me for a lot more stuff than you were when you hired me. So we need to renegotiate here. And at that point, they said, hey, you know what? Why don't we make this a full-time position? It just makes sense with the 
you're right with now what we're asking you to do. And similar to the, the healthcare organization making it its own position, they recognized we need someone here ongoingly because this was working with youth in the foster care system who are overrepresented in the system. And so this company sort of had the foresight to be like, we need someone here to help us navigate all these things and help us serve these youth and serve our staff. So just for context, this company that I worked for had 200 to 500 employees, which is considered like either a mid-sized company to a large company. So it totally made sense for it to be a full-time position that they created. Here were some of my responsibilities. So one, I facilitated a peer support group for the youth at this organization. I also facilitated ally training for all the youth on campus. I trained all of the staff from the executives down to the night staff, every single person. I also, while I was there, I was like, hey, this company needs an ERG or an employee resource group. And so I launched that. That's to come next on the next episode. But also there was just so many other various things that would pop up. Like they'd be like, hey, this new thing happened and we need to create a policy around it. We don't know how to do it. Can you do it? Hey, can you go represent our agency at these greater DEI groups around the county? And another just sort of neat thing they had me in place, sometimes stuff would happen. Examples of anti-queer bias, either between the residents, like the youth residents, or sometimes by the staff. And so they were like, perfect, Eric, go handle this. <laughs> that can be a challenge, but I enjoy doing it. And so if you have someone like that built into your company, like you have already said, part of your job responsibilities are to navigate situations that happen and bring resolve to anti-queer bias, boom, you've already got that person set up. So this could be very well could be its own position, depending on the nature of your what your company does, or maybe it's a supplemental job title with responsibilities, in addition to what someone else already does for your company. If that's the case, compensate them right? If you're asking more of them, make sure you're paying them for that. Especially because queer people often have additional work dumped on them when it's related to fitting some kind of diversity quota. Or like, you know, if an organization is doing some type of LGBTQ plus advocacy or events or sponsorship or all of these various things. What I see all the time from either my friends or people that meet me out and about and learn this is the work that I do. They're like, ah, yes, my job sort of did that for me. Like they know I'm the openly gay person there. They know I'm the openly trans person there. And so when these things popped up, they just said, here you go. This is your job to go do it. Are they getting paid for it? Usually not. So if you're one of those people uh, I advocate for, you know, know your worth and ask for what you need and want. Hey, everyone. Eric here with a question for you. What's your company's inclusion score? If you're like, um, I don't know. 
How do I measure that? Don't worry, I've got you. I've created a free checklist of the 10 essentials your organization needs to celebrate the LGBTQ community. It only takes a few minutes to discover your score and you'll get practical ways to make it higher. Hashtag winning. To level up your diversity, equity, and inclusion, head over to beproudwitheric.com slash inclusion checklist. You might be wondering, what about like a general DEI director position? Does that count for this? No. It does not count unless that person has LGBTQ plus expertise slash it's pretty important that they also identify within the community. Like having a general DEI position is a really cool thing for a company to do. Oftentimes what I see happen is similar to like queer people getting designated to do queer stuff. Usually they're like, okay, we're going to have diversity, equity, and inclusion position. We have to give that to somebody that fits some kind of quota of a marginalized group. It's often somebody who is Black, Indigenous, or a person of color, which is great, right? Like, that is a big tenant of DEI work that makes sense. And what I see a lot, because these people are my friends, these people are my colleagues, they're like, okay, so I've been, you know, either given or applied for and gotten this DEI director position. I'm super jazzed for it. LGBTQ plus is not something I know a lot about. And I want to make sure that I'm like representing the community in the work that I'm doing. And I need some help with that. Which one is totally fair. And B is respectable, right? It's sort of a parallel to my work that I do. It would be strange and it would be irresponsible of me to try to teach people from a lived experience as a person of color how to be anti-racist. However, it's essential for me to receive my own education and training on anti-racism and to get training on how to teach queer inclusion from an intersectional lens. Having a general DEI director position, not enough on, on its own, if they have queer expertise slash are a community member, that can work. It should be well known that that is a tenant of that person's work there versus just being under the greater DEI umbrella. An alternate option to having a dedicated staff position could be to hire an outside consultant. And I would say to keep them on retainer, like, yes, hire an outside consultant if it's just for a particular project or something like that. But if you don't have a dedicated staff position at your company, have a consultant on retainer because, again, it serves all the same purposes of having that person be within your company. Sort of like you need someone who has a set list of responsibilities and who is a go-to resource for anything that's going to pop up that you're not anticipating. If you're going the outside consultant route, 
I would recommend be very intentional about making this person known as an available resource to your staff. Let's talk about how having this queer inclusive staff position benefits your organization. One, it looks good. Plain and simple, it looks really good. Like I was talking about the healthcare organization that created that position that stands out. Like that's like, whoa, that company is really doing something right here. Not only is it impressive to people who are members of the LGBTQ plus community slash advocates and allies and supporters of them, even for people that like don't necessarily care that much about that cause, that still looks good. It's like, oh shoot, we didn't even think of that. Should we be doing that? Now, also, it helps lighten the load to ensure compliance. Like if you are trying to be an inclusive company, it takes a lot of the guesswork out of it. Here's the beauty of it. You get to delegate out a lot of this stuff. You know, it's like, we are so happy to have you, and here you go, and help us figure all of this stuff out. This happened to me at my former company when this was my position. For example, while I was there, a Senate bill passed that all of a sudden said that transgender youth in out-of-home care have the legal right to choose the gender with which they are housed with. The law passed, and none of the organizations knew what to do with it. They had no idea how to do that. Even though they wanted to, they were like, okay, this is now a law. We will abide by it, but we don't know how, and we need some help in figuring it out. So my organization had the benefit of being like, here you go, Eric, this is your job figure this out and give us the report, which of course they had to like, you know, have a hand in and ultimately give the approval of, but how nice just to be like, here you go, you go figure this out. This person is also really helpful for your company because they are a wealth of information about the experiences and attitudes of your staff toward your company in regards to things pertaining to the LGBTQ plus community and that they can give you guidance on the things that need to be improved within the organization. We've talked about the, a lot of different ways this benefits you as a company. Let's also talk about how this benefits your staff. Because again, that's what we're here talking about today. Like how to look out for the people that work for your company. So let's start off with, again, it looks good. It is super impressive to any queer-identified staff that works for you. However, not just us. It's also really impressive to allies, a.k.a. people who support the community but are not themselves members. And here's the thing. Most people are allies. Here's the other beauty. Even people that don't necessarily consider themselves to be allies it still shows them that the company supports DEI, which has been shown to be good for business. Also for your staff, this person, whether it's a dedicated position or you're hiring somebody from the outside, your staff knows that they have a go-to resource. It's someone that can serve as a mentor for them. 
It's someone that they know that they can go to if something has happened within the company that they are uncomfortable with or if they were on the other end of some anti-queer bias. They know this is somebody that I can go to and tell them what happened, even if nothing else, it's just to get some support and just to be heard, but also hopefully through kind of showing through the company culture this is someone who can actually help me get resolution for what happened. And it's super cool, like, to get to have someone be this resource for your company and to get to be that person is also really neat. That's what ended up happening for me when I got this position and, like, you know, it became spread across the company that that's what I did there. All of a sudden, I was this trusted resource now. And, like, People would come to me all the time on the side and be like, look, like I have a question. And this isn't how they said it. They were essentially trying to figure out how to be a better ally. You know, it would look like things like, hey, I want to ask a question. I'm nervous to say it wrong. But like, you know, can I ask you? Which I was totally fine with. I was like, yes, for sure. Like, it's really important that you're asking these questions, even if you say it wrong. And you can totally say it wrong to me. I won't be offended by it, but I will let you know sort of like the quote unquote better or right way to say it. But yes, please ask me your questions. Like, that was one of my favorite parts about that job, especially because whoever this person is, Again, if you make efforts for them to be fully ingrained within and across your company, people are like, oh, that's so-and-so. They're cool. I can talk to them. I can totally go to them. All right, cool. So we've covered the first two. There's three main big things you need to do for your staff. Some takeaways from today, the first two that we've covered. One, staff training for all new hires and as an annual refresher for all staff top to bottom. And two, you need to have either a dedicated staff position responsible for LGBTQ plus inclusion, either within the company or an outside consultant that is readily available to that company. On the next episode in this series, I'm going to keep it going. We are going to be talking about the third way to look out for your staff, which is starting an LGBTQ plus specific employee resource group also known as an ERG. Until next time, stay proud. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today. For show notes, links, and free resources, head over to beproudwitheric.com slash podcast. If you're feeling inspired by today's app, help your boy out by sharing the info with your boss, subscribing to the show, and leaving a review. And remember, always be proud of who you are.